1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by MyBookie. Use promo code Gators to double your first deposit. Only at MyBookie.ag. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus.
0: Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown
1: Plus today.
0: Gators Breakdown, because there's never a
1: dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. It is Florida. It is Tennessee. Gators go on the road for the first away game of the season. Take on the rival Tennessee Volunteers. And, man, there's a lot behind this game. We just don't know what type of Florida team we're going to get going in Knoxville on Saturday. And those uh, those fans up there, that program up there, they're ready for this one. College game day is going to be in town. Tennessee can smell blood a little bit. They're all excited. I think this is finally, finally the chance to get one over the Gators. So we'll break it all down right here with Ryan Schumpert, of Rocky Top Insider He'll join us right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown to give us a preview of the Tennessee Volunteers and what they look like coming into this game. Before we get there, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. It really, really helps us out. Get those uh, get those subscriptions up. Subscriptions up. It really, really helps. You guys did not disappoint. Getting us to ten thousand. Let's just keep it going throughout this season. A Gators Breakdown Plus. The link is in the description for that as well. If you want even more Gators Breakdown episodes, if you want even more interaction there on the Discord, I'll hop in there from time to time uh, throughout the day. We'll have some good conversations going on there. So it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. If you want to have some more fun, if you want to have some more content during this football season, join Gators Breakdown Plus one more time. The link is in the description. All right, here we are on Gators Breakdown with my guest, Reviewing these Tennessee volunteers, Ryan Schumper from Rocky Top Insider. Ryan, man, thanks for joining me right here on Gators Breakdown.
0: Yeah, for sure. Happy to, to jump on and talk about a big game here on Saturday.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we'll get to just how big of a game that is. Uh, no, actually, you know, let's just start there. Uh, it, we, we know how this series has went lately for Tennessee. Uh, I know they're smelling kind of blood in the water right now. With you know, Florida is 2-1, and one, but uh, a struggling 2-1 and one after the last couple of weeks. Game day is coming to town. Tennessee's undefeated. Uh, a ranked matchup. Just how big of a game this is this in Tennessee right now?
0: It's a massive one. I think you go. You can probably go back all the way to the, the 2016 Florida game. And I don't think there's there's hardly been a game that's quite had the anticipation uh, that this one has had since then. And in an old miss game last year, there was a lot of buzz around, but that was even kind of short term. You know, Tennessee had, had beaten South Carolina and Missouri the two weeks before to kind of get some buzz going into that game this has been a game people have been highlighting ever since the season ended and re- really even before that ever since you know November when things started to spiral for Dan Bullen uh, I think this is a game that people have circled and it's a huge game because of the rivalry and, and like you said the struggles Tennessee's had against Florida the last 16 17 years and I think it's uh, a great opportunity and I think when you get it, look at it from that point of point of view everyone's really happy with what Josh Heupel's done and his 21 months since he's become the head coach. But at some point, you know, those expectations are going to rise. And at the end of the day, when you get to – when you start building things at Tennessee, it's going to be about what you do against Florida, what you do against Georgia, and what you do against Alabama. And beating Florida, or beating Georgia and Alabama is as tall as the task is of just about anything right now. And I think when you look at the fact that it is Billy Napier's first season, you look at the fact that Tennessee will lose Hendon Hooker next season when they travel on the road to face Florida, I think there's certainly – With all the optimism, with all the confidence, there's certainly a sense of Tennessee needs to get this one. This is a game that Josh Heifel needs to get uh, against a rival. And just like you said in the question, a little bit of blood in the water when you look at how Florida's played the last two weeks.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Josh Hypo, and of course, just how big of a game it it is for him. And you know, how far has he brought this brought this program? I mean, you know, second season, uh, a short time, uh, and you know, the the feelings on Rocky Top are 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 pretty rosy right now. As you said, this game is big, but you know, what has he done to uh, you know bring the attitude that this is going to be different?
0: Yeah, I think for one, and I'm 23 years old, so I'm not the oldest guy in the world, but I do. <laughs> There's been a lot of bad Tennessee football in my lifetime, and i never seen the apathy around the Tennessee program like I had kind of entering Heifel's first season. There just wasn't as much buzz, wasn't a ton of interest. And I think he very, with that South Carolina-Missouri game I mentioned in the last question, he he turned that around, and I think more than anything he's done it with his offense. And Really from the time that Josh Dobbs left Tennessee following the 2016 season, Tennessee's offense had just kind of wallowed around in misery. And Jeremy Pruitt era with Jim Cheney, Obviously, Jared Garantano was, was not very liked and played pretty poorly. Any other answers, a quarterback during that time, JT Shrout, Quentin Dormady would go back to 2017 uh, in, in that game and Gainesville threw that interception in the end zone. It's just been a really bad quarterback play. And uh, obviously, Tennessee went with Joe Milton, uh, the transfer from Michigan to start last season, and then uh, went to Hinden Hooker to Virginia Tech transfer by game two. And I think the combination of what Josh Heupel's up-tempo offense, the excitement that it brings, its ability to score in bunches was – such a breath of fresh air uh, for a Tennessee fan base that had watched Tennessee's offense be the 13th best in the SEC. The previous year is only better than Vanderbilt. And then when you bring in uh, a quarterback like Kenan Hooker, who's certainly a very capable player, an exciting player, and also a, a really a really good guy, and I think the fan base is, has really rallied around him and, and some of the things that he's done, um, you know, some NIL stuff, opportunities he's had, him and his brother, Wrote a uh, children's book of scripture, uh, and I think he's kind of endured himself to the fan base with some of that stuff. So I think it really starts with the offense uh, and being able to score some points and being excited, got people uh, interested. And then the ability to win a couple games uh, as well. Obviously, they overachieved last year, going seven and five and then losing to Purdue and their ability to win the pit game uh, a couple weeks ago, playing as poorly as they did. I think kind of got everybody else a little bit more riled up maybe than they already were. (laughs)
1: Uh, You mentioned Hendon Hooker. Look, he's on a tear right now to start this season, throwing the ball well, taking care of the football. What areas, you know, what growth have you seen from him compared to last season?
0: I think in a lot of the ways, he's the same guy. I think there's just a little bit more comfort level uh, there, especially with Cedric Tillman, who's who's really been a security blanket. And to me, that's a huge question for Saturday's game, whether he's going to be able to play. But you look, Jalen Hyatt, as well. He wasn't a starter last year, but he's back it, a full season in the offseason or a full offseason in Hypo's system as the starting quarterback. I think there's just a lot more comfortability in what Tennessee wants to do offensively. Uh, Hooker understands his assignments, his reads, uh, where his eyes are supposed to be, and then I think there's a lot of comfortability with those two receivers. I think uh, there was, while Hyatt, you know, Tillman was the go-to guy last year, and while Hyatt didn't play a ton, it was pretty known most of the offseason he was going to be the starter at the slot spot. So uh, I think there was a a, a real connection between those guys there's clearly been a lot of work in, in the offseason getting the timing down and then brew mccoy is kind of uh the one that's kind of the opposite in that room transfer from ufc didn't get eligible until just about a week a week and a half ahead of the opener was a little bit banged up when he got to tennessee he's the third starter receiver he's had some really good flashes but you can just tell that there's not quite uh, the comfortability between hooker and and McCoy yet, which could be something that's really worth watching on Saturday if Tillman's not able to, to suit up.
1: Yeah, let's go there. You know, as we record this, there is some questions on who may be playing wide receiver for Tennessee. Uh, Cedric Tillman dealing with an injury suffered last week. Uh, Jimmy Callaway was ejected last week for you know throwing some punches. I think I saw the update now that he's going to miss the first half. Uh, of the Florida that's game. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, originally maybe some day-by-day situations, but that did that did come out uh, before we recorded there. So it does sound like, you know, we're not so sure on where Tillman stands just yet.
0: Yeah, that's that's, that's correct, and it, it's, it's kind of day-by-day. I don't think uh, I'd be surprised if he's doing too much uh, practice this week. It, it does seem, uh, obviously Tennessee hasn't come out and said anything, but it does seem like it isn't some sort of minor ankle injury Uh, which is a little bit surprising because there's really two plays that he got uh, banged up on against Akron. The first one uh, with Tennessee ran a speed option for a touchdown and Jalen Wright kind of got tackled into his ankle and that's the play that looked like he hurt his ankle. The other one, he came back in after that. He went to the tent on the sideline, came back in the next drive and then caught uh, about a 10-yard pass that was high and as he came down the land, he got tackled uh, real low and it looked like he he injured his knee. But it does seem like it's an ankle, uh, which is going to be interesting to see it's up in the air. I would say as of Tuesday, obviously a lot can change. A lot can change treatment. You know, I'd be skeptical that he's going to be out there hundred percent. He may be out there on the field. Some, he may be out there as a decoy. He might even get a few passes thrown his way, but I don't expect to see a hundred percent Cedric Tillman. And then on the other end of two, you know, other guys on Tennessee's offense that were sort of questionable, at least left the Akron game with injuries, running back Jabari small and then mm-hmm. freshman uh, Dylan Sampson, who I just named, Both those guys, we talked to running backs coach Jerry Mack this morning. Both those guys were full participants in practice, and it sounds like they will be full go on Saturday.
1: And so with that being said, you know, what can the Vols do to improve in the run game? And, you know, Smalls digs the to starter, but, you know, Samson out there is actually leading the Vols in rushing yards right now. I know probably – um, there was a lot of excitement about that run game I and mean, it was kind of resurrected last season maybe might be even looking for another step so far uh, to start this year but maybe hasn't quite been there just yet
0: yeah i agree and to me that's one of the huge question marks coming into this game is just because the fact Tennessee's played three games and two of them were against middle of the pack the bad mac team so there's really only much you can draw from that game and then you look at Pittsburgh, you look at Pat Narduzzi, that's what his defense is always mm-hmm. priding themselves on. It's stopping the run. And you go back to last last year's game against Pitt, and Tennessee couldn't run the ball at all in that game either. In their run game it ended up being pretty solid. So to me, I'm not sure I'm hitting the panic button uh, on Tennessee's run game yet. But it is a big question. And one thing I look for, they did it in the Pitt game, and it sounded like South Florida, from what I could tell, did a good bit of it on Saturday too, was using the quarterback in the run game. Yep. You see uh, a lot of these games, they don't want to use hooker. But in the big games, in the competitive games, they want to get him carries. And they did it against Pitt, and it wasn't overly effective, wasn't as effective as he was using his legs uh, against the Panthers a year ago. So I think you're going to see uh, Tennessee be eager or very, very willing to use Hinton Hooker in a run game, get an extra blocker. They're Tennessee's offensive line solid. They returned four starters from last year, but it's not great. It's not an offensive line that's going to really just build a lineup and run it right at the top. Uh, defenses in the SEC, obviously, Florida's run defense has been uh, a question mark this season and has struggled. I think that's another thing that presents some opportunities uh, for Tennessee. So it'll be interesting to see, like you said, really Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson have had more success uh, on the season than Small. Granted, Small left the Akron game two plays in uh, with an injury, so he hasn't gotten quite as quite as much playing time. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they use that, those three guys and. Uh, one thing that I think is uh, definitive is that you're going to see Hindenhooker run probably 10-plus times uh, on Saturday.
1: And Ryan, correct me. You said four or five starters return from the offensive line, and the new starter is Florida offensive uh, lineman transfer offensive tackle, Gerald Mincy, right?
0: Yeah, a- yeah. that's absolutely right. He that's won uh, the left tackle battle, which was really the, the biggest battle on the offense in uh, fall camp. He out- out there, beat out Jeremiah Crawford, who was here last year. Was a junior college guy before that. Played a little bit sparingly. Uh, when Cade May is actually the guy that, the one starter Tennessee lost. He he dealt with some injuries to back half the last season, and Crawford played there. But Mincy beat him out. And again, you know, it's only three games. It hasn't been a bunch of great competition, but Mincy's been good, especially in the pass protection, which obviously the most important thing from that left tackle spot. He was re- he graded out as Tennessee's best uh, pass blocking offensive lineman. In that pit game, his run blocking uh, has left a little bit to be desired in, in really all three games. So, uh, but as a whole, you know, when you, you saw him come in, he didn't play much at all at Florida. Uh, I think Tennessee's been very pleased with what they've gotten from him uh, three weeks into the season.
1: All right, Ryan, let's move to the other side of the ball right here. And kind of hard to get a read on this Tennessee defense so far this season due to two opponents, uh, of course, being completely overmatched and an okay performance uh, versus Pitt and coming away with that win. Uh, is there a belief, even with all that, that this defense has taken steps? And where do you see those steps? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for
0: the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, I think there is some belief that Tennessee has taken steps on defense. And uh, I think uh, especially uh, when you look at their pass rush, you look at their edge rushers, Byron Young, who really had a nice second half of the season last year, but he was a junior college transfer. He had some eligibility concerns. He didn't play in the first two games of the season. He got a lot better as the year went on. And then on the opposite side, they have Tyler Barron who is a junior, played a lot last year, but has been better so far uh, this season and really had the the defensive play of the season so far when he he had a strip sack and and injured Keaton Slovis uh, late in the first half of that game against Pitt. And I think that's the other thing that's kind of interesting to to watch with Tennessee's defenses. They were better in that Pitt game, but they were really, really good in the second half when they were facing a backup quarterback. And you really only had one half of sample size of seeing them face a good offense uh, from a power five school. And in that first half, they were really bad in the first quarter and they were good in the second quarter. So it's still, I think, a a lot left to be gleaned from Tennessee's defense, what steps they've made. I think they have better depth in in the back end, the more guys they can play. I think they have a little bit better depth at linebacker in large part because they do have linebacker Jawan Mitchell back, who who was injured for much of last season. I think the Florida game was actually the last game he played in before having season-ending surgery. So uh, there's promise. There's areas that, to think that Tennessee's defense is better, there's better depth. But at the same time, uh, you know a lot of those guys that are playing and provide better depth in the secondary haven't been great on the field. So to me, there's still a lot of question marks about this Tennessee defense. The one area that I do feel pretty confident saying they are better is with their pass rush. But even then, you know Tennessee has used a, a lot of blitzes, a lot of zone blitzes in that Pittsburgh game. Uh, I'll be interested to see uh, if they do that again Saturday because it does feel like an area where they could – confuse Anthony Richardson a little bit and, and give him some exotic looks and bring guys from, from different spots in the zone blitz because they ran a lot of zone blitz, very little man blitz, and, and that seems like something that could potentially, if they can contain Richardson, they could can keep him in the pocket on those plays, could be a problem for Florida offense.
1: Yeah, I think if you go back to the last couple of games, what, nine tackles for loss versus Pitt and 11 last week versus Akron, so d- doing a good job of getting in the backfield the last couple of games and definitely have to look at that, you know, given Florida's uh, probably attack to run the ball just a bit more.
0: Yeah, definitely, and that was an area Tennessee was really good last year. Yeah. I think they were in the top three in the SEC in tackles for loss. And some of that's the nature of how Tennessee's offense plays, and that means the defense was on the field <laughs> a lot. And that was, you know, that was the thing last year they could get in the third and they they could get in the third and long, but they couldn't get off the field because their pass rush just could never get home before, and they weren't good enough in the back end when they did blitz uh, to get those stops. So to me, that's still a question mark for this offense. They've been better so far this season, but again, truly only one game of uh, sample size and even the second half of that game uh, wasn't the offense they were expecting to see it wasn't the offense they would have seen if Slovis stayed in the game but you're right they've done a good job of making plays in the backfield and you know obviously they're not trying to hurt anybody but Slovis took a lot of hits in the first half it wasn't like it was some freak entry that happened Tennessee was getting pressure on him quickly and making him feel their pressure too with a lot of hits so uh, if that can continue on Saturday uh, I think that's would be a a massive piece for Tennessee's defense because there just are so many questions in the back end and and the run defense less questions, but it's not a lockdown run defense either.
1: Right. we know we're going to into this game and everything's kind of pointing towards Tennessee's way right now. And look, if you look at on the field, you know, Tennessee, the, the last couple of weeks, shows Tennessee probably should win this game. So what, what, what would be your biggest concern? And you know, if Florida does walk out of Knoxville uh, with a victory, what, why do you think it may play out that way? What would be your biggest biggest concern for the Vols heading into this matchup versus Florida?
0: Yeah, I'll give you one on each uh, side of the field and with the defense. It's really the the uh, alternative of what I just said. And it's that Anthony Richardson gets his legs going and has a lot of success running ball. I mean, you go back and look at last season and Tennessee's lack of pass rush I think it was Stetson Bennett. I can't I can't. Emory Jones ran for a lot of yards in that yes. game. I'm not sure if he yep. was or not. But Stetson Bennett, Will Levis, Bryce Young, Matt Corral, all those guys ran for the most yards all season against Tennessee. Tennessee could not defend the quarterback run at all last year. So they really haven't. DJ Irons for Akron is a dual threat quarterback, but they really haven't been tested there yet this year. Does that Tennessee pass rush that has shown signs of being better, that has some promise, that has the main guys back from last year, can that come into fruition in this game? If it doesn't, then I could see Florida's offense really having some success and being able to create plays a, a lot like they did in that Utah game with Anthony Richardson's legs. And then on the other side of the ball, I think it's Tennessee's passing game. If, if Tillman doesn't go, if the timing on some of that stuff's thrown off, I don't think this is a fantastic pass-blocking offensive line. If Florida can get pressure and get to hooker, and so much of Tennessee's offense is about getting that first, first down and being able to get mm-hmm. uh, its tempo to, to lean on teams and if you go look at that pit game they struggled to get their tempo to, to lean on pit a lot of three and outs of pits defense created tennessee just couldn't get into a rhythm in the passing game early in the first quarter of that game if that happens which i think is is more in play if tillman doesn't play just because what i said earlier he's been that safety blanket uh, for hooker really the whole time well maybe not the whole time but just about the whole time hooker's been at tennessee as the starting quarterback so uh, i think if he were to go in Florida, we being able to get some pressure in. Keep ten, keep Hooker uncomfortable, create some issues in Tennessee's passing game. Uh, I think that combined with maybe Anthony Richardson getting things going with his legs uh, would be, be the path to Florida getting a win in Knoxville Saturday.
1: All right, Ryan, man, enjoy it. I know. Look, we we got to enjoy that crazy atmosphere that was Utah a couple of weeks ago. So I just imagine Tennessee's going to be about the same way with Florida coming into town. Game day is going to be there as well. Enjoyed the scenery in in Knoxville there. So Ryan Shumpert from Rocky Top Insider joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. Have a good time, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's NFL Week 3 action. College football is taking shape in Week 4, so prepare for your winning season at MyBookie. Some like to bet to earn. Some bet to make the season more exciting. Either way, MyBookie gives you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus. It's quick and easy. A $250 deposit puts $500 in your account instantly, and you can use your funds to bet on as many games, contests, and props as you want. To claim your bonus, register today, and use promo code GATERS designed to add more excitement to the games and sport you love. That's promo code GATERS to double your money up to a thousand bucks at mybookie.ag. Test your football knowledge and fatten your wallet. Don't miss out. Begin your winning season today exclusively at mybookie. All right, so here we are. Florida, traveling to Knoxville, take on the Tennessee volunteers. And, you know, for um, Tennessee, their schedule so far this year, not all that difficult. Um, let's see. I thought I had a press. Yeah, there we go. Ball State was Tennessee's first opponent. That was a 59 to 10 victory for Tennessee. And then they went to Pittsburgh the very next week, 134 27 in overtime. And then last week in Knoxville, defeated Akron 63-6. to So what do stats say about this matchup? Of course, we're still early in the season. Still going to be a bit skewed a bit. You just saw or just heard who Tennessee has played so far this year. Not Murder's Row by any chance. Not Florida schedule. Not Utah. Not Kentucky. Now, Florida did struggle versus South Florida last week, and Tennessee had no issue with Ball State and Akron. Ball St. saying was pretty terrible. USF was coming in got last week's game as well. So take that as you will. But it will, of course, play into the stats right here. And it's not even close uh, when you want to look at it. If you're watching the YouTube version, you can clearly see it. And I will go through it as best I can right here in the podcast version to give you a bit of the comparison here. But starting with total offense, the Gators tied for 97th in the country, 12th in the SEC With 353 yards a game, Tennessee, 553.7 yards a game. So they're gaining 200 more yards a game than Florida is right now. That is first in the SEC and third in all of college football. When you play Ball State, when you play Akron, of course, that is going to play into it. When you have an offense like Tennessee, credit to them for doing it. Credit to them for taking advantage and uh, the teams they're playing. And you see it through here, through these stats, they have done so. They have taken advantage. They have done what they are supposed to do. Scoring offense, the Gators tied for 96 in the country, 12th in the SEC, 25.3 points per game. Tennessee, much of the same for the as the previous stats. They're up there at 52 points per game, first in the SEC, third in all the college football. Rushing offense, that's where the Gators have an advantage. 212 yards a game is good for 32nd in the country, fifth in the SEC. Tennessee comes in 182 yards a game, ninth in the SEC, 56th in college football. And the big difference of why Tennessee is up there, of course, compared to Florida, the passing offense Tennessee second in the SEC, fifth in the country with three hundred and seventy-one point three yards a game. Florida one hundred and twenty-first in the country, dead last in the SEC with one hundred and forty-one yards a game. Passing efficiencies up there for Tennessee as well, first in the SEC, fifth in the country at one ninety-three point forty-one for the Gators. One hundred and twenty-six in the country, fourteenth in the SEC with a rating efficiency rating of eighty-nine. Now this is where you get really worried. Touchdown-to-interception ratio. Tennessee is tied for first in the country. Of course, that's first in the SEC. Nine touchdowns to zero interceptions. Of course, we know for Florida, no touchdowns, four interceptions for Anthony Richardson. as 129th in the country, 14th in the SEC, dead last. Total defense. Tennessee holds an edge there as well. Only really could put Pittsburgh... As far as this, you know, as far as these stats go, total defense, fifty first in the country for Tennessee, ninth in the SEC, giving up three hundred forty four point seven yards a game. Total defense for the Gators, three hundred seventy three yards a game. That's good for seventy seventh in the country and eleventh in the SEC. Scoring defense, Tennessee, fourteen point three points per game. That's good for twenty fourth in the country, sixth in the SEC. Gators giving up 26.7 points per game so far. 10th in the SEC, 76 in the country. Rushing defense, this is where it stings for Florida. 195.3 yards given up for the Gators, 113th in the country, 13th in the SEC. Tennessee only giving up 83.3. That's ranked 19th in college football, 4th in the SEC. Now, granted, they have not played a rushing attack like Florida. And we'll get into it, of course, before we think Florida can take advantage. But coming into the game now, against Ball State, against Pitt, against Akron, Tennessee only giving up 83.3 rushing yards per game. Passing defense, where Florida needs to be good this week, they are better than Tennessee in, in these three games now. You know, t- uh, Tennessee, Ball State, Pittsburgh, Akron – Tennessee's pass defense is ranked 100. All right, can Anthony Richardson take advantage? Can he play at that level? They're giving up 261.3 yards a game. That's 12th in the SEC. Now, of course, coming into that just a little bit, they only gave up 10 to Ball State, 6 to Akron. But, of course, those teams are throwing the ball with the scores of 59 to 10 and 63 to 6. Pitt, of course, Slovis gets hurt. In that game, they had to go to a backup quarterback. Couldn't throw the ball as well as they wanted to. But Florida's passing defense, which we know will have to stand up, this will be their biggest test so far coming into the season. The Gators, passing defense. 178 yards a game given up. That's good for 26 in the country, 5th in the SEC. All right, a couple more we'll go through. We won't go through all of them. Turnover margin, uh, Tennessee at 3. Florida is at 0. Tennessee with six takeaways on the season. Florida with five. Sacks allowed. Florida .67 per game. Tied for third in the country. Or tied for third in the SEC, 13th in the country. Opponent red zone, pretty close there for those teams. Sacks per game. Florida with only three sacks this year. Did a good job of pressuring first couple games of the season. Not so much last week. You got their turnovers. Bohannon, you know, gift wraps a couple of interceptions. The Florida, not sack, sack numbers, not up there uh, right now. Good job pressuring the quarterbacks in the first couple of weeks versus Utah and Kentucky, but we have not seen our sack numbers. Tackles for loss, big difference here, and I'll get into that. That'll be a stat we get into this uh, game where Tennessee has done pretty well in the last couple of games. They are tied for ninth in the country, third in the SEC, with 22, 7.3 a game. Florida, only 11 on the season, 3.7 per game. That's tied for 11th in the SEC and 112th in the country. Didn't get many last game at all. All right. So there's your stat look up right there. Stat comparison. Doesn't look pretty, of course. One more time. Early season, it is skewed a bit, but we know where Florida's issues lie. No matter who Florida has played, we know where the issues lie. Let's take a look at this game just a little bit. Balls extended their first quarter touchdown streak last week to 16 games. They have scored at least one touchdown in the opening quarter in every game under Josh Heupel. At least one touchdown in the opening quarter in every game under Josh Heupel. So the Gators have to prepare to start fast in that environment because more than likely Tennessee will. And to extend that, Tennessee improved to 10-0 when leading at halftime in the Josh Heupel era. And that includes the win over Pitt a couple weeks ago as well. I mentioned how bad Florida's performance has been in the third quarter of this season on the last episode of Gators Breakdown. And if Tennessee is leading at halftime, it's not a good sign that Florida would be able to change things, you know, the necessary things to to change that trend there. If Tennessee goes in leading at halftime and how Florida has played in the third quarter of this season, man, that trend does not speak well for Florida. So you hope just because of Florida's third quarter struggles and if history is any indication, you know, that's Tennessee 10 and 0 when leading that halftime in the, under, in, in the hyper era. I mean, let's go, let's, you know, if, it, if it's there, go ahead and give him his first loss in that, in that scenario. But history says it doesn't bode well. If Tennessee's winning at halftime and then take into account Florida's third quarter performance this year, not a very good trend. All right, let's take a look at Tennessee's, some of their players. Let's start with offense, of course, Hendon Hooker. He's thrown a touchdown pass in 15 straight games, and he just does not turn the ball over. Right now, he's on the Tennessee record for consecutive attempts without a pick at 185 consecutive attempts without a pick. That marks as the 16th longest streak in SEC history. He completed his final, 12 passes attempt, his, 12, his final 12 pass attempts this past Saturday. And that's tied for the 7th most consecutive completions by a Tennessee quarterback in program history. Completed his final 12 pass attempts last week. He carries his 12 completion streak into this game against Florida. If he completes his first pass attempt, he would move into a tie for fourth place in program history for consecutive pass completions. He takes care of the football. You know, this offense for Tennessee, they're going to they're gonna spread some defenses out. Make easy reads for Hooker. That's where he excels. Can Florida man up outside? Can Florida man up on defense against these Tennessee wide receivers? Cedric Tillman may be a bit injured, so we'll see how much if he plays. That, of course, would help Florida. Florida. We haven't seen this Florida defense tested in a passing attack like this yet this season. And in a lot of ways, this style of play may benefit Florida's defense. The defensive backfield is one of the strengths of this team. And and they'll be tested Saturday. We need to see the pressure we saw early versus Utah and Kentucky. Get to the quarterback and bring him down. Make Hooker uncomfortable. He's been sacked five times this season. Pitt had three of those. Stop the run, force him to hit the deep passes. This offense loves to go deep and hit them. You know, they, 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 they'll run before they pass. I know there's this notion out there they, they're, they that they're you know this pass-happy team. No, they like to run the ball. But when they do throw, they like to go deep. They'll spread you horizontally and then take their shots. They hit the deep pass, this game's over. So Florida's got to man up. They got to trust their guys back there. First test like this of the season. Yeah, they run more than they pass, but you know it's a different brand of football of the Utahs and the Kentuckys of the world. And we know Florida's defense this year has been opportune, especially in the red zone, but Tennessee makes you pay when they get to the red zone. They are 16 of 16 in the red zone this season. 12 rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, and two field goals. So they run the ball in the red zone, and they score in the red zone. Opponents have scored 11 of 15 trips on Florida's defense inside the red zone. Seven touchdowns, four field goals, two missed field goals. So as I said, Florida's defense has been opportune there. Not not great. It's not completely shut down in the red zone, but they've done an okay job there. Tennessee gets in the red zone, they make you pay. So Florida's going to need one of those opportune stops, maybe a few of those opportune stops against Tennessee. Brought up Cedric Tillman. Well, maybe you have to wait till game time with his status. You know, as I record this midweek, uh, we'll see what, what what comes out of it. You heard the interview earlier, of course. Still some questions surrounding that, but uh, this how important he is. Uh, And if he's not 100%, this is what Tennessee's going to be missing. Or if he, of course, doesn't play, this is what Tennessee will be missing. But if he's out there, this is what they'll be getting. Go back to the biggest game of the season so far for Tennessee. At Pitt on September 10th, caught nine passes for a team high 162 yards and the game-winning touchdown in overtime as Tennessee held on for a 34-27 win. Caught six passes for 68 yards in Tennessee's 59-10 season opening win over Ball State. Tillman started during a, hit that breakout season last year for this Tennessee offense in 2021, catching 64 passes for 1,081 yards, 12 touchdowns, come back for his fifth season to come play with Hinton Hooker. He was Tennessee's first receiver to top 1,000 yards since Justin Hunter did so in 2012, crossing that 1,000-yard one th- barrier in the Music City Bowl against Purdue when he hauled in touchdowns covering 41-61 yards. He put together a good performance to end the season. Over the last six games of the regular season last year, Tillman caught 41 passes, 721 yards, and six touchdowns. 6.8 catches for 120 yards and one touchdown per game on average. The last six games of last year. Over the last three games, he had 21 catches, 406 yards, and four touchdowns. That's the type of player Tillman is. And if he's not able to go, of course, big advantage Florida. Now you can, if you're going to match up, you know, Jason Marshall now, you know, he covers the second best receiver on Tennessee's roster instead of the first, instead of the best. I mean, it will be a good matchup. We'll see how Tennessee matches up. We'll see how Florida, you know, if Marshall just follows Tillman all day if he's out there. Interesting matchup there. If he's out there, ready to play, ready to go, if not advantage Florida. But of course, I think looking at the run game and the way Florida has struggled there, you got to think Tennessee would like to run the ball. But you go to, and look, of course we mentioned, Ball State, At-Pitt, and Akron. That's the three games so far. How much you want to take from Ball State and Akron, that's all up to you. You What I'll give credit to Tennessee for right there is doing what you're supposed to do. They're supposed to beat those teams pretty bad. They beat those teams pretty bad. But, of course, Pitt's the the barometer game so far this year. Tennessee only had 91 rushing yards versus Pitt. Sacked four times, so that plays into it as well. 2.6 yards of rush. They gained 112 yards rushing, lost 21. Jalen Wright led the way, nine attempts, 47 yards. Jabari Small, 10 attempts, 18 yards, but two touchdowns. Now, Hendon Hooker in that game went 15 attempts, 47 yards, lost 20 yards with the sacks, factored in, so a net of 27 yards produced. Nothing special there. But as you heard in the interview, and I think because of what we saw last week, Tennessee is going to get Hooker involved in the run game, see if Florida can stop it compared to last week when they could could hardly do so against Bohannon and USF. Can the Gators' run defense stand up to the task? It's not been a great showing in stopping the run, and while Tennessee can throw the ball all over the place, they'd like to be running the ball a bit better. And they may look at this as an opportunity to do so. Get Hooker involved in the run game as well. Not so sure about Ventrell Miller playing. I know the video out there of him on a treadmill. I'm not sure that really means he's playing. We know how much that affected the linebackers last week. We know how much it affected the linebackers last year. It was not a good showing last week, the first week, without him. Hopefully those young players learned a lot last week. They can fill in admirably this game. But Florida missing their leader once again at the linebacker spot. All right, let's move to the other side of the ball. We're, a lot of us are on the same page. Just run the ball. Even if Anthony Richardson was playing good, even if Anthony Richardson was playing well, I'd lean that way. Not quite as much, but given what we've seen, just run the ball and see if Tennessee has issues stopping it. No need to put the ball in the air more than you really need to. Ball State accurate. I couldn't really run the ball. That doesn't mean much. I hope I get his name right here, but Pitts running back Israel Kondo ran for 154 yards on 25 carries and a touchdown versus Tennessee, averaging 6.2 yards a carry, 76-yard run. Now, Tennessee had to worry about the pass more in that game, but in this one, they'll play to take away Anthony Richardson's and those rollouts, of course. So as it was mentioned this week, does that open up the middle for some success in the traditional run game? Can Anthony Richardson take advantage of some friendly coverages that are going to be there, especially if Florida gets the ground game going? And he's going to have to test it at some point. I know I say run the ball, and I say even if AR was playing good, I'd want to run the ball, but there's going to come a time that he's going to have to just make some throws. And hopefully they're about as easy as possible, given what we've seen from him the last couple of weeks. But, of course, we want Florida to slow this game down a bit with the run game anyway. Tennessee's offense, we know, can be explosive. Keep them on the sideline. Hopefully you can take them out of rhythm if you keep them on the sideline. And at the same time, give your defense a rest. You know, If Tennessee's going to be going up and down the field as fast as that offense is going and snapping the ball every 18, 20 seconds or whatever it is, you know, your defense is going to need, need a breather and that might come in the form of your offense. Not only keeping them out of sync, not only keeping them on the sideline, but your defense is going to need a breather. There's a few reasons to want to slow this game down. As far as a better running team, lean on it. Your quarterback is struggling, help him out. Keep Tennessee's offense on the sideline, give your defense a breather against an offense that will just go up-tempo if they can. But all that said, you know, there'll be opportunities given the AR and these friendly coverages if that run game's going. He's going to have to take advantage. I know we'd all love for this game to look like a a 2014 versus Georgia where Kelvin Taylor and Matt Jones run wild and you barely have to even attempt to pass, but those type of games are, are as rare as it comes, especially for the Gators. And there are reasons to see more of a run-game approach, of course, but A.R. is going to have to hit some throws. The Gators have protected well this year, but Tennessee's pressured well. Versus Pitt, the Vols had 16 quarterback hurries and four sacks versus Pitt. Now, I did mention, of course, Slovis did go out. Part of that, he was getting hit. (laughs) 16 quarterback hurries. It wasn't all on the backup quarterback. And for Tennessee, after ranking, ranking second in the SEC in tackles for loss last season with 102, the Vols have picked up where they left off. 22 tackles for loss, good for third in the league right now. Tennessee is also third in the SEC in sacks with Eight. So looking at some players for Tennessee, looking to stop that Florida run game that is going to be ever so important. Linebacker Aaron Beasley leads the Vols with 22 tackles. That's tied for seventh in the SEC without even recording a tackle last week. Tennessee features one of the most experienced safety tandems in the country. Senior Jalen McCullough, 30 starts. Senior Trevon Flowers, 28 starts. Starting in the backfield, defensive backfield together for the third consecutive season. McCullough has started 17 straight games, entering the Florida game. Flowers came up with a huge 12-yard sack in overtime and registered an interception in the end zone in the first half in the win over Pitt. Moving up front a bit, senior edge rusher Byron Young poised for the monster 2022. It was a preseason first-team All-SEC selection in his second season at the FBS level. After racking up 11 and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks in 2021, it came up with two clutch tackles, two tackles for loss. In a game high, three quarterback hurries in a sack against Pitt. He was tabbed the SEC Defensive lineman of the Week when Tennessee defeated Pitt a couple of weeks ago. So last year, 11 and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks in 2021 for Byron Young. And in the big game versus Pitt, two tackles for loss, game high, three quarterback hurries and a sack. Five takeaways for the Vols defense this season and only had one last week. And I bring that up because their defense had forced multiple turnovers in three straight games dating back to last season. We know Anthony Richardson's troubles there. We saw some Florida running backs have some fumbling issues early this season. Tennessee's done a good job at turning or gaining turnovers. Takeaways The balls are allowing 14.3 points per game. Of course, schedule plays into it. Have forced multiple turnovers in three of their first four games and are ranked third in the league in third down conversion stops. Florida not that great on third down. Tennessee, third in the SEC. Only giving up 11 of 46 on third down. 23.9%. Eww. Something else. Tennessee is not allowed a point in the first half at home this season. Of course, their home games have only been Ball State and Akron. Once again, take it as you will, but... Nice little nugget there. Florida scores in the first half; they'd be the first team to do so this year. All right, so there we go. Nice little Tennessee preview there, and I just do not like the way this sets up for Florida. Ah, <laughs> uh, I got—I—I I, I hate it. You know, I hate when I have to pick against the Gators. Didn't pick against them against Utah when so many other people were, but I'm picking against Florida here. I got Tennessee winning thirty-four to twenty. Now, there's not many football reasons for me to pick a win for Florida. Now, Granted, of course, Tennessee has not played the hardest schedule so far. I do think Florida can run on them. Weird things happen when Florida ends up winning games like this versus Tennessee when they come in with all the hype, but I just can't pick pick it on hope again and hope that happens again. There's something to maybe keep in the back of your head. Tennessee has held, or Florida has held Tennessee to 21 points or fewer in five straight matchups. But in this one, I think Tennessee's offense would be just too much over and over again. And the defense just finally breaks. I think the run game for Florida keeps it close a little bit, does slow it down enough. But in the end, Tennessee does enough to make Anthony Richardson throw, and I have no confidence that he can go get it done on the road after what we've seen at home the last couple of weeks. Tennessee's just smelling the blood. They're going to be amped up, excited. The crowd, of course, is going to be into it. Billy Napier's first road game as head coach. That's a kind of a new angle there. For this team having to figure something out, you know, first time that's, yeah, two seven o'clock games to kick off the season at home, a seven thirty game last week. Now, different time on the road. How does the team, you know, come back from not come back? How does the team react to that? We'll see. We'll see. But, I think Tennessee up tempo. I think they'll get their ground game going a bit. I don't have a lot of confidence in Florida stopping the run. had not seen it much this year. Seen it in spurts, just not enough consistency there. I think Ventrell Miller being out. If he if he plays, I like Florida's chances a bit uh, a bit better. I don't think he'll play. That comes into my decision as well. The Tennessee thirty four, Florida twenty. That stings to say, I hope I'm wrong. That. That's the way I see this one going. I want to be wrong. Right. There we go. Tennessee 3420. Prediction there. For the Gators. Big thanks to Ryan Schumpert from Rocky Top Insider. Journey, Rocky Top Insider. Joining me right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown, good preview of Tennessee right there from Ryan. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.